What's up, Florida State sports fans? Kurt Weiler, Tallahassee Democrat, here with Andre Fernandez for another episode of the Null Sports Podcast here, the beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. Last week we had to come to you uh, after the first Florida State win of the season, but it was not an overly impressive win and, and a win that came down to the final seconds. This week, me and Andre, I mean, Andre, we had to come... Uh, we get to come now after a not only a an unexpected win, but a, a a fairly impressive win in the manner it happened for Florida State at North Carolina. No, a very impressive win, really. I mean, I, the way that they went in there, and even more impressive to me, the response because you go in and you know it looked like same old story, like everything was going wrong again. You fall behind ten nothing, every reason to think here we go and it's going to spiral, and then. And then even when they had the one response drive to cut it to 10-7, you're not entirely sure yet at that point. Like you put them, They put themselves back in the game, but they did that in Wake Forest. They hit a big play, cut it to 14-7, but it was the start of a very impressive stretch of three quarters of FSU football that really you haven't seen this season in terms of, you've seen it in glimpses, you've seen it in flashes here and there, but a dominant three-quarter and change performance like that of just complete consistency. It's finally what this team was lacking, and it, and it seems like the light bulb's gone off. It's finally clicked a bit. Now we've got to see if they can put it together for a few games, but that's the process. That's the building that they've been talking about, that Coach Norvell and company have been talking about, how they how you build and how it, it continues to just you know add up and add up. It's added up first to, like we said, Little spots here and there. Now it added up to a full game. Now can it add up to two games, three games in a row where you see that kind of consistency and you start to build moving forward? I mean, they're off this week, trying to rest up, trying to still be, as you wrote today, not you know not sit on their laurels either. Like put put together the efficient work that they've been doing even on the bye week. And next week a UMass and the week after that, I'm sorry, a UMass team that in theory shouldn't be that hard to beat, but you want to beat, you want to be sharp. Because then, obviously, you get into that final, you know, home stretch of five games that we've been talking about all season. That's going to be very challenging, to say the least. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a. I don't know if I. You talked about a three-quarter performance. I don't know if I've kind of broken it down like this, but you're right. Over the final three quarters, I mean, the final score, thirty-five twenty-five, impressive enough, given that North Carolina team that, for all its inconsistencies this season, had been very good at home. Its struggles had been on the road. And you outscored them 35-15 over the final three quarters. I mean, you, you, you gave them the, the 10-0 cushion and then just came roaring back. I think scored on five of your next six possessions after, after not scoring on the first one, and it was a three and out. And, I mean, you only ran the six plays in the first quarter. I mean, the biggest thing in the first quarter, yeah, the defense didn't get off the field. There was, there was a bad uh, offside that uh, I'm not even sure wasn't offside on Robert Cooper. It was called. I'm not sure he was actually offside. He moved, but he's allowed to move as long as he doesn't go into the neutral zone. That uh, I mean, it allowed North Carolina to really control the first quarter and keep Florida State off the field. But once they, I mean, got on the field late in the first quarter, like you said, they flipped the switch, and it it was uh, it was very impressive to see. I mean, it may still be an understatement to call that by far the uh, the the best game of Jordan Travis's career. I mean, he he wasn't he he only threw the ball thirteen times. And but after he complete in like his first two were incomplete, he his last eleven were all caught, and that's a credit to the receivers for making those plays. Some of them were some pretty tough catches, impressive catches. It's also a credit to him for I think you're you're seeing for the first time 
the the progress that we saw in the the preseason. I know Kenny Dillingham, offensive coordinator, a lot has kind of drilled home the lot the last few weeks. Jordan, if you look at how much he's played, is really still a first year quarterback. And so, I mean, it feels like you're starting to see the growth now that you often see from first year quarterbacks, just with how his playing time's been spread out. Yeah, and it was good to see, especially when it came to stretching the field a little bit. And we talked about that, you know, last week they wanted to protect against that pass rush against Syracuse maybe and also it was his first game you know coming off uh, being hurt and that sort of thing so maybe it was sort of like a combination of easing him in and just preparing for a, that kind of a matchup but they took their shots and they capitalized and it wasn't and yes it was the receivers work winning one-on-ones to their credit but at the same time you saw the, the Jordan Travis deep ball that we saw in the preseason and we said to ourselves wow he looks a lot better. He looks a lot more comfortable throwing that deep pass, and he did a couple of times. I mean, the, the, the one to, to Pokey Wilson right down the middle was on target, in stride. It was a beautiful throw. And then he, and then uh, Keyshawn makes the nice play on the 44-yarder, which came at one of the most crucial times in the game to, to, to get that momentum back after, after Carolina had responded there. And really, you know, Crucial moments in the game, but it shows you that dimension is there for this offense, which is still going to be run-oriented. It's still going to be run-heavy because that's the strength. But they will have that element in in you know in their arsenal to be able to 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 kind of diversify their offense because they're going to need to do a, little, a lot of that down the stretch if they want to be if they want to score another big win or two you know against some of these opponents that are that are coming up. Yeah, it, it appears to be interesting. I mean, we talked about last week. That I think this is quite possible. That North Carolina secondary, I know they're without uh they're without Storm Duck, who I think is a backup cornerback, but I still think it might be the best secondary they played to this point in the season. They'll face better ones on the the back half. At least I would say better one, probably better two with Florida definitively. But that's I, it is no joke of a North Carolina secondary, and I mean you saw what what they did. I mean you talked about Keyshawn's forty four yard four yard catch. I think you can make the case he had two of the more important plays of the game. He had that one that set up the touchdown right after North Carolina cut it to uh, a one-score game early in the third quarter. And then Florida State's offense gets the ball back after a stop, and he has the huge tiptoe NFL catch, it looked like, on third and 12 to pick up 18 in the first down. And that drive led to what made it a three-score game and really put the game, it felt like, out of reach or real close to it. I mean, it's a... We haven't seen that from the receivers. We have not seen them win one-on-ones and and make plays like that. In fact, at times we've kind of seen the opposite. So, yeah, it was encouraging to see because, I mean, they are absolutely going to have to do that. No, they're going to have to. And they're going to face a lot of good secondaries down the stretch. I mean, one, looking past the UMass game for a second, you look at the defense of Clemson is going to be – that's one of the stingiest, in spite of Clemson's troubles this year, it's still one of the stingiest defenses out there. But, yeah, I mean, you look at – I look a lot at the targets, and, I mean, you look at that, I mean, everybody was efficient. I mean, the 11 for 13 doesn't lie. I mean, that – when you look at Jordan Travis, it wasn't like last week where a lot of it was screen passes and dump-offs. Like, he was going downfield. Even when they weren't going deep, he was going medium range more than he did the previous week. And – Ontario was perfect. Uh, Karen McDonald in two cat, two targets was perfect. I mean, Helton three out of four that like we talked well, about. Well, and the one wasn't his fault. He was overthrown a little. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, overall, yep. just a, a very nice job doing you know winning the matchups and 
Kenny Dillingham talked about it. That, that was the big key this week was winning those little matchups in, in every every unit. Not them on defense, the secondary, like Jerry and Jones did, even even up front. You know, the, the, the performance they had, you know, the offensive line did a tremendous job. Dylan Gibbons got awarded for that this week by the ACC. You know, that was the first time a lineman's won the, the player of the week honor at that position for, for the conference in five years. I mean, you, you're starting to see when they put it together, it can be competitive, not only competitive, but they can have success. And that's, it's interesting because, you know, two and four now, I mean, you don't want to get too far ahead, but I mean, a winnable game next. and I would say a very winnable the, game. The very winnable game next. And then from that point on, it just changes the look of those last five games in the sense of now you don't see this team being completely overmatched anymore against any of the five. To some degree, there's some where they're, it looks more difficult than others, but now you're not anywhere near where you're at 0-4 and, and thinking, who are they finally going to beat outside of maybe UMass? Yeah, I mean, it, it, at the very least, kind of the, the five-win total that we were sitting around at the start of the season seems very attainable yeah. at the very least. It's I'm funny, not going to yeah, go so far as to say that I think this is going to be a bowl team. I think it's quite possible you look back at the Jacksonville State game as something that could yeah. keep them out of a bowl. But if 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 this team goes from... 0 oh, and four to even get into five wins, which would be what five and three over their final eight. With what those final eight are, would be a remarkably impressive. I mean, you're right. It, a lot has changed about how we view the uh, the back half of that schedule. I mean, the team we saw Saturday. I'm not, I know means saying they're going to beat Clemson, but the team that we saw Saturday can at least not get run off the field by this iteration of Clemson. Right. The team no, that we saw sorry. Saturday can be in a game with NC State and Boston College on the road. The team that we saw Saturday might run Miami in its current form off the field. Because well, who knows what that Miami, Miami team? Yeah. I mean, it's. It, 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 I, well, they got some bad news. They got some bad news down there this week with losing De'Ara King. So I mean, that that changes a lot. And you know, now they're counting on a freshman quarterback. So yeah, and then in the way they've been playing, you know, one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough down there for Manny Diaz, and I mean yeah. it's it's it, it, it's unfortunate for him that the the Deere King played out. I mean the thing with the Deere King thing, I'm it didn't feel to me. I know what they said coming into the year about how healthy he was. It, he never seemed entirely right to me, and I know talking coming into the year, I kind of thought that uh, I was always I was always a little skeptical of him saying he's a hundred percent because I feel like we all the time see we saw it last year here with Keyshawn Helton. Guys who are a year removed or a little less than a year removed from those ACL-type injuries, just they can get back to their former form or close to it, but it takes longer than a year. It takes off, and it feels like two years. Yeah, and I could have totally seen him continuing to play this year if he could have and just been that type of guy where you're wondering if he's in and out of the lineup every other week because little nicks and little you know things that happen yeah. with the injuries. Well, but, but now, at least Miami, at least in one sense for them, they know who they're going with or who they're sticking with the rest of the year. But yeah, obviously that's, I mean, they're going to face, they're the next team that goes to Chapel Hill this weekend. And then from there, that's their whole season. So who knows what kind of shape they'll be in keeping it in the FSU perspective, who knows what shape they'll be in by November 13th, which gives the Seminoles even more of a chance to win a game that back on September 5th, you were looking at as way more of a difficult obstacle. Well, yeah. And especially you were looking at a few weeks ago, no doubt. I mean, it's a, I, I mean, do, do, do you dare even whisper the word bowl 
around these parts? Or do you wait a little bit? Because, I mean, when, we, when they're at 0-4 and you're thinking there's no way, there's just no way of 6-2 and two going the rest of the way. But here, I mean, here's know. what I'll say. I will say that coming into the year, I would have given Florida State a about half percent chance to beat Clemson, probably less. Like, there was just no realistic path to it. I would yeah. say that's crept up to about... 30? I was going to say, like, 15 or 20. Maybe 5 or 10. Like, I was going to say probably, like, 10 or 15. I'm probably still underestimating that defense a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's my thing. That, that comes in defense That comes in defense is down a few guys. I know that both their starting defensive tackles are out right now. But still, yeah. I mean, those second-team guys could give Florida State's offensive line. Even though we, I think we both agree that unit is improved, I think that, that group can still uh, give them struggles. Yeah, but... If, and that's still that's still a tougher environment even than what they faced this past week. Uh, yes, definitely it will be. I'll be interested to see what that environment looks like, considering I know, I mean, the fan base is pretty, like, what do I do with my hands about this season? There's, there's, I mean, they've definitely been spoiled. And, I mean, yeah. this season is showing for them how hard it is. It's so much easier to, to get to the top than stay at the top. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see here, I'm looking at, Look at a Clemson schedule real quick to see who they have in between. But they had Syracuse right, this weekend, they, Friday in the Carrier Dome. And Syracuse has been feisty. I mean, we saw them last week. I don't think that Wake Forest team that they almost upset at home is that much worse than Clemson. No, it's not. I mean, they're the favorite right now. Potentially, like if they they're the they're the favorite to be the toughest obstacle for Clemson right now, easily. So, yeah, I mean. It's one of those situations where it also depends, too. I mean, we talk about environment. What time do they put that game? If that's an 8 o'clock kickoff, let's say, or 7, you know, and that at night that place is just nuts. And I guess maybe they get more people that way. And it gets just... they, they haven't played them at night there, I don't think, since uh, 2013. Yeah. Well, look, at, I'm look, I found it. And it's Syracuse, like you said. And then after that, a big one for them, Pitt. Because Pitt... Ooh. Kenny Pickett tearing it up the way he's been tearing it up, and that's at Pitt, you know, for Clemson on the twenty third. So, if they beat, if they win those two, and they are five and two, they still have the one conference loss, so they're still very much in it to win the Atlantic at that point. That Pitt game's but, no joke, though. Is right, that is that in Clemson? No, no, both are road games. They, Clemson's not at home again until the Seminoles arrive on the thirtieth. So I, there is a, what you're saying is, and I'm not, I'm not by any means picking this to happen, but there's a non-zero chance we're looking at a three and four Clemson in that game. There's a, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it, it's, it's humanly possible that it could happen if Syracuse rises up the same way they did last week and finishes the job, or and then obviously if Pitt, Pitt's a three thirty start out there, but you know if Kenny Pickett, if they don't slow down Kenny Pickett and he has a great game. And, Things happen. Yeah. Or if not, even if it's not three and four, it could be four and three and two losses. And the, at that point, the Atlantic's wide open. There are a lot of factors. Well, the Atlantic's not wide open until Wake Forest loses. Well, that's true, too. But but <laughs> I know, I hear what you're saying. I mean, yeah, it, 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 they probably have to win both of those games to give themselves much of a chance because it feels like I'm not sure Wake Forest is going to lose twice. At this point, you look at it, they still have Carolina on the road. They still have Clemson off. They face Clemson at Clemson, too. And they have a date with BC at the end at BC. So They could. You know, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Florida so State yeah. doesn't kind of turn it back around. Florida State doesn't factor into 
that race. The, the the start they got off to, I would say, and the fact that I just don't see them winning out in the ACC, the odds of that are, are very yeah, low, as good be, as they look they're Saturday. Two, yeah, they're two, but that's the only way. But they could play spoiler. Almost definitely. They could they could be the team that kind of drove the dagger in a number of these teams. I mean, who knows exactly what we what we have in Boston College. Boston College only has the one ACC loss to uh, to yeah, Clemson, the right? They're all, yeah, they're only and, one in the conference. So. And NC State is undefeated in the conference? Only 1-0, but yeah, they're undefeated. Clemson only has one loss. But BC that one was Clemson. One right. But I'm saying those are the teams still left in the Atlantic, and yeah, there's they're still all those th- all three of those teams still have a lot to lose, potentially, well, and, and like FSU coming in. If you want to get really interesting in the, uh, the storyline, supposing Manny Diaz is still around, which I, yeah. I think he might be, it, after Manny Diaz and that game kind of ended Willie Taggart two years ago, it would be a it would be a ironic twist if the the inverse happened. <laughs> yeah, and it could. I mean, if that game got out of hand, then I mean, it, 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 there's no doubt the way that played out and it being a rivalry game kind of made that situation much worse for Willie Taggart two years ago. And I know we're getting carried away with the mixing and matching and records and all that, but again, I'm looking down at Miami. 0-1 in the ACC. Still has not played that much, so still could have a lot on the line if well, they were to win a couple of conference games before that. We'll see what happens with Pitt and Clemson, but especially if Pitt loses to Clemson, the Coastal's wide open. Right. Your favorite, your favorite has three losses and is basically out of contention. Correct. And Virginia Tech is only 1-0. They haven't really played their conference that much yet either, so who knows? It's uh, So the point being, Florida State has some yeah. interesting chances to kind of ruin some seams or, or put a put a hurt on some teams' ACC chances. I mean, say what you will about NC State. They've looked real good at times like they did in that Clemson win. They've also looked pretty bad at times, and they don't have a great track record at Dope Campbell Stadium. Right. They play Florida yeah. State real well at home. They haven't always played that road game especially well. Here's what comes down to They're three and four, let's say, after they beat UMass. Everything goes the way it's supposed to, the three and four. The two home games remaining after that are winnable. In the sense of, yes, it's possible for them now. Miami becomes a, a winnable game because of the state they're in. At that point, the question is, let's say they pull that off. At that point, the question is, can this team go on the road and beat either Clemson or BC or Florida? Do they sneak one out at any of those three places? I, I, I kind of go back to... Some are obviously more likely than others. We'll see what that Florida team looks like. I, 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 it, I would think by then, we'll see. Weird things can happen, but I would think by then they'll like officially be eliminated from SEC, like mm-hmm. SEC championship consideration. I mean, Georgia seems like that team, especially that team in the East at the very least. Mm-hmm. But well, B- and BC is without their quarterback. I know the elements are going to be, you know, <laughs> hard to deal with at that point in the year and. Up there, all that. But how does that team look? Yeah, no, I mean, there there are a lot of... It, well, and the big... I mean, the thing is, I think we can agree, Florida State's not going to play at the level we just saw every week. They're still a young team in a lot of yeah. ways. They're not just going to magically become incredibly consistent. But showing that they can do that against a team that, well, yes, I think we agree is underachieving, is still talented. Sam Howell is a... 
very well possible. I mean, coming into the year, what seemed like a surefire first-round pick. I wonder if that's still the case, but I feel bad for him because I don't really think a lot of it's his fault. I think it's the pieces around him kind of not doing him any solids. But that's still a talented team and doing it on the road. I mean, it, Mike Norvell kind of finally got over the, the road game hump. He lost his first five road games, none of them especially close. I think the average by about 17 to 20 points, somewhere in that neighborhood. I mean, it it had been ugly. And so to win a game where, I mean, Florida State was kind of able to take its foot off the gas and, and really run clock, I mean, yeah. and just try to just trying to, to do oh. what they can to, to move that, keep that moving at whatever costs. I mean, yeah. showing me that shows that they could win any number of games left on their schedule. It's just a matter of how often they can look like that. But this is going to be a roller coaster the whole season. We knew that coming twice. in. I mean, I don't think we but thought. You really knew it after Jack State. Well, they come out what they did with Notre Dame and then lay an egg the next week the way they did. You knew this was going to be up and down. I think and it still could be. I think that's exactly right. I mean, people always talk about growth not being linear, and no doubt this was a huge step forward. I mean, Mike Norvell talked about, and I agree with him, this was a more impressive win than last season. Last season's uh, win yeah. was, pro- I would say, maybe even more unlikely, even though it was a home game, just because, I mean, that North Carolina team was extremely talented, went on to the Orange Bowl and took Texas A&M to the wire. I mean, a, a Texas A&M team that yeah. almost made the playoff. But this game, I mean, with the, the lack of road success they had and with the fact that kind of, Last year, they they built that big lead. They got some turnover luck. Some, a lot of stuff went their way, and they kind of hung on for dear life. I mean, this team, this year, they looked like the better team. It was There was no luck or fluke to that win whatsoever. It, it, not to take away from them, but this North Carolina team last year was much better. This North Carolina team this year on offense looked very limited. I mean, you have Sam Howell. But you could see why they missed uh, Michael Carter and Javante Williams in the backfield. And he really has one receiver. He has Josh Downs, and that's it. Like, if you even look at the way, like, their offense ran, he's the guy. And he's a, he's a speedy slot receiver that didn't look to me like the guys that they lost to the NFL last year. And, I'm, again, I'm not taking away that because he was impressive to go on the road and do this. But I'm saying Carolina just – that's been that's why they have three conference losses already because you can tell they're not they're they're much more limited on offense this year than they were last year. Yeah, a, definitely. And, and that being said, they were still scoring fifty something at home every game. Yeah, it definitely feels like the uh, the bloom may be coming off a uh, the Mac Brown Rose a little bit. I was talking to uh, uh, someone on the UNC beat who I, I'm familiar with after the game on my way out about a uh, man. Imagine how how bad this could have been for Mac through through two and a half three seasons if not for the fact that he kind of he flipped a generational quarterback, I mean, the best pro quarterback in program history in Sam Howell. No doubt. I it, mean, uh, it, that's it one both ways. I mean, look how, look how much better. I mean, who knows if Sam Howell was here, how the last couple of years would have gone. But Yeah, I mean, you could, uh, yeah. you could make the case that Willie Taggart, the, the on-field product would have been enough because the quarterback shuffle was a huge mess for him in 2019, that uh, he may have survived 2019. Yep. No, no doubt. It was a total swing both ways for them and, and for the Tigers. Hey, what if? Yep. What if, like the uh, like the series, like the Marvel series? <laughs> we guess we'll never know. We we won't. And I think I, I, I mean, a reality it's... out there where Sam Howell is leading FSU to uh, to an ACC title, but we're not in it. So <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think about. I mean, I, I I don't know. I think there was enough stuff going on on the, on the scenes. I mean, it's weird to say now. 
Florida State may be better off for not having gotten Sam Howell. As weird as that is to say. Huh? Yeah, from the big picture, if you look at all the things that have happened since in retrospect, yeah, because maybe he's here and he sort of delays the turnaround and the inevitable and leads to certain decisions not being made, like bringing in Mike Norvell and his crew. Yep. Yeah, a lot of ripple effect. That we always, it's always fun to do those stories where you look at the ripples of what could have been. But yeah, you're right. We've, it's more than just his talent. It's what it's the effect that could have had in that regard too. I took the high road on Twitter. I I, I thought about tweeting something to the effect with Sam Howell of, uh, oh look, he beat Florida State as many times during his career. If he would has if he'd come to Florida State, I didn't tweet it, but I guess I could say it here. So I'm not entirely taking the high road. I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't claim the high road and then just say it here, but no, no I mean, it's it. too late. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough for Sam Howell. I mean, it's, it, he, to his credit, pretty much did take the high road, uh, at AC kickoff. When we talked about this game, I know he had a teammate, uh, not as much, but, uh, this one did not go so well for them. I mean, I'll say what's weird to me. And I realize this season definitely hadn't, even before this game hadn't been meeting kind of the standards from the year before for North Carolina fans. But normally when Florida State travels, it that place is packed, that place is loud. It wasn't packed, and it wasn't especially loud. I mean, Florida State doing what they did as quickly as they did and turning the tide and taking such a lead helped, no doubt. But, I mean, you, there were multiple times where you could hear the audible war chant from the far corner of the stadium and not the ironic war chant that we've kind of heard far too often of late. Oh, no, no, I heard it on TV. And that just shows you right there. If I'm hearing it loud and clear on the, on TV, you know that it's drowning out the the few people. That, you know that means a lot yep. of people already took off and uh, yeah. went and got out of hand. Yeah, they, 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 it, it, not many stayed for that last touchdown UNC scored with about uh, with about three or four minutes left. I mean, it's a. I know I saw someone on the Carolina beat say that that was like the biggest visiting fan base they'd seen all year, and and no doubt some of that's people who I'm sure bought tickets kind of before the season started and just had made plans to go. But it, it speaks to, I would say, a a belief still among the fan base, even after that 0-4 start, about Mike Gravel. And, I mean, he he and the team definitely validated that Saturday. Yeah, he's, he's, keeping, the, he's keeping the faith. He's, he's having the recruits keep the faith, and he's having a good part of the fan base keep the faith. And now, with every win, that just continues to strengthen, so... Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I was we haven't really talked a lot about the 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 defense. I mean, it, it you're not going to shut down that offense. You're not going to shut down Sam Howell. I mean, we saw a lot of the same again, where so much of the opposing offenses, what the production came from the quarterback runs. I mean, there were definitely a lot of design quarterback draws. It seemed like to Sam Howell, and a lot of them found success. But there were also some plays where. Uh, it seemed like he had to just kind of scramble because nothing was there, and that's a credit too. I mean, it was. For as depleted as that secondary was, no Renardo Green, no Miko Dotson, no Brendan Gant, it was the secondary's best game of the year by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, and they made plays when they had to. I mean, the Jones play was tremendous at a, at a tremendous time, but also the way he did it as well, you know, the technique he showed on that play. And what went under the radar a little bit, and I dug that one up thanks to uh, looking at the, some of the PFF numbers, Kevin Knowles. Did a yep. great job defending Josh Downs throughout the game, and then make, even made that pass break up toward the end that forced the loss of Downs. That really ended the realistic chance for for North Carolina to come back. I mean, there's still 12 and a half minutes left at that point 
if they get it to 35-25 at that point, it's still a ball game. And that was a huge play in the corner of the end zone, but I think it was six targets that went his way, and Downs only came up with two. And then one of them he broke uh, some yards after catch, I think because it was a slip tackle. So really, he did a he did a tremendous job overall in coverage. And again, you're seeing the growth of a, of a player like him super early. You know, we, we knew going in he was going to be one of those players. I mean, Adam Fuller said it. This kid's going to see the field, and he's going to see it early and often because of the talent he's shown. Now he's turning into a vital already halfway through his first season. He's already a vital member of that secondary. But, but overall, tremendous what they were able to do. Yeah, and I mean, not even just – I mean, you're right. It sets you up well for – I mean, you're – you. I think Florida State's coaching staff is already somewhat playing for the future – this year, they had to somewhat play for the now with as many transfers as they went out and got, I think, identifying the issues with the roster. And I think they were right to do, to do so. I mean, obviously, some have panned out amazingly well, like your Jermaine Johnsons, like your Keir Thomases, like your Jamie Robinsons, three of your better defensive players. Some not as well. The, the Mackenzie Milton, obviously, the Brandon Moore, who uh, didn't make it a week into, into preseason camp. But... Yeah, you're seeing a lot of those younger guys. I mean, DJ Lundy and Kalen Deloach, who are kind of second- and third-year sophomores, both both taking on pretty lofty roles in the middle of the defense, and you're seeing the strides from them. You're not seeing the consistency yet, I would say. That could still stand to be improvement. But I do think you saw better overall performances from them Saturday. And, I mean, you're seeing it from some of the young defensive linemen who are being put into roles. Like you said, a guy like Kevin Knowles. You, you, they, they had to somewhat play for this year, but they're also, I mean, like I said, they're playing for the future, and that's going to pay dividends for them, I have to imagine, when they bring in. I mean, who knows? We don't know yet entirely what this recruiting class is going to look like, but it sure seems more and more likely that a guy like Travis Hunter is going to be in it. I mean, he's never really wavered, and I know he was on Instagram Live with, uh, with Jarvis Brownlee in the locker room after the game. Mike Carvalho made I've been the biggest uh, fan of that. I know coaches are sometimes... Uh, had things said on those types of live streams they're not the biggest fan of. That didn't seem like a case with Norvell at all. But, I mean, that speaks to not just how close he is with the coaching staff, but how close he is with the team. Yeah. No, I mean, and you're still, I think, probably at least one more class, maybe even maybe even two. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... I, I, the roster. Yeah, yeah. You're there... I don't think, I mean, but he's already flipped the roster a decent amount. Now it's just about flip, having, like, taking that flipped roster and getting them the experience they need to kind of play at that level. And that'll come. In some cases, yeah. In some cases, it's a good thing. Because a guy that looks as elite as Travis Hunter looks like he's going to be, you want him on the field immediately. Because immediately he's going to set foot and be potentially your best guy at that position. And then, you know, A.J. Duffy's going to have a chance at least to compete for the job next year, we'll see if he gets it right away or, he, or you know, Jordan Travis doing what he's doing. So probably, maybe not, who knows. But you have others too, like other commits that could, that still are on the fence that if they do choose FSU are going to be like that. And then for 2023, you'll have more talent in, but say they land a Jalen Brown, who down from Gulliver Prep was on their radar. That's a five-star receiver that could also be a guy that could, come in right away, you know, just to throw him as an example. Well, it it, it remains to be seen somewhat. You kind of got to see a staff put together a class like this to believe it. But I think from from what I've seen with this staff putting together the class they have, knowing somewhat what this season was going to be and knowing that they were going to probably be around the the 
five or six win threshold. I think that if they are even like an eight and four team next year, which with what's going to be an easier schedule, I don't think is unreasonable. I think then they could be pushing maybe top five class territory. Yeah. I think no, don't no doubt about it. I mean, I think it, all this just steamrolls, and, and and that you pick you pick up momentum in recruiting. Considering they that they've been rock bottom and at their worst, and to hold the foundation together, what are they going to be able to do now if these wins continue to pile up little by little? I mean, the biggest victories are in recruiting. You know, this whole season still. I mean, to, and when you can get them on the field, it's just going to be that much more ammo to say, all right, you see the foundation we're building. Now we're giving you some, some tangible proof that it's working. And when you get here, like now, you know, them talking to a recruit saying, when you get here, this thing's going to take off even more. For sure. And, and I think it felt like that was important. I think, uh, obviously, they, haven't, they hadn't lost a player from the class yet. A guy like Trevion Williams, I know, has said, like, I'm going to take some visits, and there were some thoughts that maybe a decommitment may be coming soon, and it still might. But I think a performance like that felt important to like not just say, like, don't you see how close we are, but to, to say, look what we did. And it, it felt like that was – they were kind of wavering on maybe losing a couple of guys, and I think the case can definitely be made that a performance like that one stabilized some things for them. Yeah. Well, it, it shows, too – think about it, too. I mean – if some fans are questioning these guys, even as coaches, after that 0-4 start, which they have, yeah, some recruits probably are too. Even oh. if they may not say it publicly, some recruits might be too. And wins like, especially this win, this past week, kind of shows you, okay, these guys probably do know, maybe maybe they do know what they're doing, you know, that kind of thing. Like that, that, that just helps that whole momentum of, of all of that going forward for them and, and future classes too. I mean, yeah, I think they've, they've had one decommit, which I think was down the road, like in class of 24, which, you know, when you're that far ahead, guys are still don't even know where they're going to go yet. So who knows? Yeah, I think, I think I, I mean, guys like that get an offer like Florida State, especially if they're like a South Georgia guy and they think like, oh, wow, like that's amazing. And then someone else comes along even even bigger yeah. in a better spot now, and you're like, oh, wow. Know you know what I mean? It, it, so, right. And he could, he could make a U-turn and come right back to FSU down the, down the road. There's still so much time in the next two years for, for him to make up his mind. Yeah, the staff I don't even think is especially worried about that at the moment. Yeah. They're definitely more, much, much, much more worried about that, uh, that 2022 class and what they look like. Yeah, no, for, for sure. I it's I mean it's interesting we uh the, we I feel like we didn't talk about the uh, the game a ton but at the same time I mean I feel like the biggest thing about the game is kind of how it may change some expectations or not even expectations but what the team could accomplish the rest of the way I mean like we said a number of games look more I'm whether you say winnable or not a lot of them look more competitive and and the truth is you're just hoping for competitive games at this point because those are the games that the more competitive games you're in the more they can swing your way yeah and the other thing too and that's something that obviously you still have to play that umass game not just beat them but you have to play it and then come out of there unscathed sure you know not no. have anything like that happen. Well, and, so they, they yeah and i'll be honest i don't even think you just have to come out of there unscathed i think you you start to worry that not that it was total fool's gold, but that, like we said, especially how non-linear growth can be. If they come out and if they struggle, 
Not even if they yeah. like it doesn't not just win or lose. That's a UMass team, just like it was a Jacksonville State team, that they should win comfortably against. They shouldn't be remotely sweating it out, probably in the second half. I mean, like we said, like in the week of that game, that's a game where you hope you can get your Trevor Purdy's in. You can hope you can get your Tate Rodemakers in. I mean, it, the 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 case stands again this week or next week rather when that game's played. I mean, that should be the case. You should not need yeah. four quarters of Jordan Travis. You shouldn't. I, it, so. I you don't mean, want to be down. You don't want to be down seven nothing in the second quarter again against a team like that. You want to see them put together a sharp first half, take care of business. And I think do, they will. Yeah. I think at the very least, this team's been taught they can't just get by against a team of that level just based on like their talent. I think I think they learned that lesson at Jacksonville State. If not, I'd be a little worried, frankly, yeah. because I mean. You, you, that would be, I mean, the two most embarrassing losses probably in program history in the same year. And obviously, though, yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, the uh, familiar opponent. We'll talk more UMass next week. Probably not a ton about them in particular, but, but more about that game. Obviously, that's a, the coach that I think Florida State fans have been looking forward to, uh, to facing again in, in Walt Bell, the, the one-year Florida State offensive coordinator back in 2018 who was the one who kind of had the relationship with Sam Howell and, and the rest of the staff didn't really build that relationship. And so when Walt Bell left, that's how that play, played out. So, I mean, I think there would be a bit of a, uh, I've seen some fans already relishing the chance to uh, beat Sam Howell and Walt Bell in back-to-back games because I know there's some, uh, some bitterness there, shall we say, and I'm not going to say it's unwarranted, but I mean, it, 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 like we've said, I mean, you would hope lessons from Jacksonville State would be learned, and if they came out and, and and struggled, even if they win comfortably in the end, they come out and struggle early. That's still a little worrisome, and it makes you maybe even reevaluate some back the other way from where we were. Yeah, it would be very disappointing, put it that way, because even if this team will have its ups and downs, but you feel like this is something you're past already in the sense of, all right, Show another, show another sign of growth, and just come out and take care of business against the team you're supposed to. Like to me, that's like a, that's like one more thing on the, on the list of, on the to-do list of. Okay, let's show how much improved, how much more mature of a team we are by doing this now. Not just the challenge and overcoming and being the underdog and all. No, now how do you handle being the lopsided favorite? Like show you can handle that part of it too. Mm, for sure, it's a. Uh... We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little more, I'm sure, about that next week. I'm sure we can uh, incorporate some other stuff in next week's podcast, too, because, I mean, I, I don't know if we need a, uh, a whole week to uh, focus in on, on UMass, a whole podcast focus on. I think we can spread the love uh, to a few other sports soon, too. No, I, for Basketball sure. Basketball starting soon and soccer kicking, kicking ass as usual and 13-0 and and heading into that. That's the team next week. I mean, they're heading into the, the teeth of that schedule you know, right, right at the finish line. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the ACC, we've talked about, the schedule makers that did that to them, it's, and did it to all of them, it seems like. I mean, it's, it's brutal. But yeah. as of now, wouldn't, they, wouldn't their, their last home game, they, only, they have only one home game left? And they have only one home game left. And it's against and number two, right? It is, there, there is a chance that could be number one versus number two in the country, both undefeated, if both of them run the table up until – you know, right at going into that game. Has Virginia already played North Carolina, or do they also play them right before they play Florida State? 
I'd have to research that. I'm actually, I'm actually, as we speak right now, looking up the poll and <laughs> FSU. I'll look one, it up real quick. Virginia's two, North Carolina's three yep. right now. The top three are all ACC. And for a reminder for anyone that that that, that doesn't know, FSU plays Virginia Tech this coming Friday at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has fallen out of the poll. Actually, there are also they're the top vote getter amongst the unranked teams right now. But still. So, the road game, and then they get Duke. Or no, and then they get North Carolina on the road, number three. Then they get Duke, who's number eight, who actually had a loss last week, dropped them to number eight. And then they get Virginia at home. So, so Vir- Virginia played North Carolina in Chapel Hill, and they tied zero zero. And no, there you go. Well, Virginia's twelve one and one. So FSU yeah. is the only unbeaten out of these ACC juggernauts that they have to face in the coming weeks. No, for sure. It's uh, I mean, it's it's crunch time for that team. But at the same time, what have you not? What have you seen all season long that would make you? I mean, doubt them. They've they've no. just done what they've done. I mean, they're the that team's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's hard to put in words at this point. I'm I'm writing a uh, uh, a pretty cool story here this week talking to. I mean, I, Mark Corian, the soccer coach, was out at the football practice again today and is a he's not a frequent guest out there but he comes out every good bit he's probably been there four or five times since the preseason started for uh, the football team and I think uh him and Mike Norvell I mean obviously they're both very busy but I think they they're striking up a very interesting friendship relationship what have you in terms of sharing ideas and stuff like that yeah well he's always asking about football we talked about that a little bit today he's always at the end of a press conference, or maybe even before, he's like, well, "How about that win?" Oh, like he, last week he said that <laughs> after they, after they beat after the, after the Carolina, no, after the Syracuse game, actually, he was saying, you know, tremendous win they had, and, and or he'll ask certain little things like he was talking about. He was actually talking about Mackenzie Milton to us one afternoon, and the, the day that he had the start and was able to, you know, play the full game. So he's he's plugged in. He's yeah, well, and he's I, been for a long time. I imagine we'll hear about uh, tomorrow about the North Carolina when he's talking tomorrow, Wednesday. We're recording this Tuesday night, so he's talking Wednesday ahead of that Virginia Tech game, and so I imagine we will hear about the North Carolina win tomorrow when uh, when we talk to Mark Rikorian in person. Uh, yeah, we, we we will touch on soccer. We'll probably do something more more official, maybe throw soccer in earlier as a football break or something, especially as we get towards the uh, the the postseason because that's definitely the time where. Uh, where it matters the most, and I mean that's where kind of the the metal of that team really gets tested. And that's what's crazy. You're right. They're gonna face. We're talking about them facing all these teams in the final stretch of the regular season. They're gonna turn right around, play probably those those two matches in the ACC tournament, and they could be once again facing Carolina, Virginia, Duke. One, you know, one of them in the mm-hmm. semifinal and the final, and then NCAA tournament first couple of rounds probably not. But the deeper they would get. Once again, here here come those same opponents because you could you, you better believe probably those teams are going to be down. You know, once you get down to the the Sweet Sixteen, the Final Eight, they're they're probably going to be in that dogfight with with some with them with FSU and with maybe some of these West Coast powerhouses that are they're also in the top ten. No, for sure, it's uh it's getting to that time. I mean, we've talked about it. Basketball, baseball, what doing fall ball right now? I think they play a game Saturday. They play yes they should weather permitting play their first game finally on Saturday and uh you shoot me right now I can't remember who it is <laughs> I don't remember if it was Stetson. no is it, was it Troy? Jacksonville 
I know they have Jacksonville in one of these fall ball games. I don't know if that's the, the one they have coming up. So the, the last one's the Garnet and Gold game. They've got two before that against, like, actual teams, like Exhibition. Oh, it's Titans. Troy. Boom, nailed it. Yeah. It's No, so the Troy, or though, is Clemson weekend. It's, it's Jacksonville this weekend, and it's Troy and the 30th. Troy. Okay. I knew the day that, of the Clemson game. I, I remember which order, but yeah. Yes. Yes. No, so I mean, and basketball not too far behind that. Obviously, preseason camp underway for them. It's uh, it's getting to be that time. Yep, a lot of a uh, lot of exciting, a lot of exciting stuff on on tap, and and you know, in other sports too. I mean, cross country is almost done. They're getting close to nationals. Volleyball, the volleyball team continues to do pretty well. I know they had a setback the other day in one of their matches, but overall, they've had a pretty good season so far. So. No, and definitely, I would say relative to expectations, relative to recent success, they're they're having a very a very good season. Yeah, and considering it's a very freshman-driven team this year too, like he, he was going to his roster, Coach Poole's roster was going to be a lot younger this year, so they've done a good job there. No, for sure, we have plenty of great stuff. Really, about all those sports, we kind of try and cover all bases because we know there are a lot of people who uh, who enjoy the kind of the all-encompassing. Uh, coverage. I mean, we we have a plenty of football coverage too. I know there are a lot of people who kind of rate like zero in on that, and that's what they want a lot of. And I, I'm really proud of the football coverage me and you and and our editor Jim, who fills in from time to time, do. But but yeah, I mean, I'm also very proud of our all encompassing coverage for sure. Yep, spread the love. <laughs> no, yeah. So that's all on Tallahassee.com, Nullsports.com. If you're a subscriber, we appreciate it not we uh we encourage you to do so the same goes for the uh following the podcast reviews five star ratings all that would be great same goes for uh us on twitter we're gonna share a lot of stuff there i mean that's where uh especially during games and stuff like that you're gonna you're gonna see a lot from us on twitter we're both pretty uh avid tweeters i would say oh yeah i mean every other play we're 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 throwing it we're we're tweeting something during the game i'm gonna have to I'm going to have to be stressing out uh, about a Braves playoff run a little longer during all this again. We're recording this shortly after the Braves are moving on to the NLCS, which is a, uh, a, 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 I mean, it's a big deal for me, and I imagine quite possibly for a lot of you. I mean, be the Braves kind of being the uh, team of the South that they are across a lot of those states in that region. So Yeah, especially, yeah, they're the team of the Southeast, that's for sure. I mean, and Atlanta again this year, you know, injuries and all. Still made it to the LCS, and now, you know, take your best shot against whoever survives that Giants-Dodgers series. No, for sure. I But, yeah, we uh, we appreciate you for listening. We will be back next week uh, talking a little UMass, talking a little bit of everything. Thanks for listening. <laughs>